go out to fix a drink and I come back and there's a horse on my desk. <laughs> it's a pinto. <laughs> Fantastically cute. I know you like horses. That's, I love horses. You know what? It can't speak right now because it's a little horse. Hello, Boo. Hello, Your Highness. Your Highness, I am. <laughs> Living up to the name. Would you like some team biscuits today? You know, I was thinking um, maybe maybe a biscuit. You're going to have to go up to KFC because I really don't cook. I could have done some tea, no, but biscuit. fuck the biscuits. Yeah, I don't do it. No, Thank you for joining us here at Michigan Murders and Music. Thank you. Where we discuss murder in Michigan. Murders in Michigan. Murders, mayhem, all kinds of cool stuff. And we stuff. top it off with a little homegrown music. Yes, we have a really cool band this evening. Bad on Rats. Yep. Bet on rats. Oh, oh, cool. We're going to leave you with a happy ending and on a good note. <laughs> you said happy so ending. do us I a flavor. <laughs> You're a dick. I know. So do us a flavor like Fago soda. Red uh, pop, preferably. Uh, what? Well, you getting all ghetto? Oh, it, only like people from Michigan get the Fago thing, so it's an insider oh, I, okay. joke. I get yeah, so do us a flavor and rate us, subscribe us. You don't have to listen to us. I swear to God, you don't have to. Just five-star asses, subscribe, download, do all the things for us. Yep. Please. Simple, quick, easy enough. I'm just begging. That's all. <laughs> we have an explicit warning content. Yes, we do. Boot swears. Uh, he says booger, and he farts. I, no, I, well, he farts yes. on every I, episode. Uh, I sneak one in there. I try not to, but... I will not edit them out. If he rips ass, I'm not going to edit it out. But you we'll know, swear. You move wrong, and all of a sudden, you know, there it is. You get old. Shit happened. I didn't mean it that way. That was totally <laughs> Freudian. I, I used to have a, a secret room where I would we gotta go focus, and grasshopper. relieve myself. So, so. we're going to swear... <laughs> You did have a fart room. I forgot about I that. It was, a, it was called a fart chamber. That's why we moved you from that <laughs> side of the state to the side of the state. So the content is definitely not appropriate for children's ears. Yep. Uh, occasionally someone will accidentally say a word that, you know, contains four letters that uh, perhaps would get you in trouble. And if we find your kids, I mean... If you find your kids in the backyard plucking chickens and torturing them, oh. it's totally not on us. I don't want to be responsible. What do you come up with this stuff? I've, I had chickens? three boys. I raised my kids already, and mm-mm. those boys haven't done anything yeah. like that. Real quick, I no. want to give a shout-out to a brand-new listener who doesn't even know us. Oh, 
Yeah, so it's super, super Who special. She's like an OG fan. Erica. Erica gave us a shout out. I appreciate it, Erica. Erica, thank you. It's that just means the world to us because we're just a couple of dumb shits talking to each other. There you go. You just said one of those words. Gosh darn it! Mm-hmm. All right, who are we talking about tonight, Mister Boot? Oh, Mary McKnight. Mary Murphy McKnight. I'm gonna call her McMary. Because apparently back in the early 1900s, they didn't have very many names and or it was popular to name everybody after everybody else. Yeah, they, they seem to have only had like three names. I swear and to God. they're all repeated over and over and again. why does it have to be Mary? Uh, they're a bunch of Marys. <sighs> Mary was the eldest child of... Mrs. Sarah and Isaiah Murphy, they moved to Alpena from Canada in 1870, 862 years ago. They eventually settled in Kalkaska. Yep, and they had five sons and four daughters. That's nine kids. I don't know how they did it. There's a theme going on. Wasn't the last one like yes, 14 kids? Yes, it's Somebody's going to lose their shit when you there's know, that many people in one house. Uh, you know, back then they had farms and they had a lot kids of to, to work for yeah. them. Yeah. I oh, get need, it, but you're going to lose your Maybe shit you're if get you, pregnant. Mm-hmm. if you have that many kids, you're going to lose your shit. I'm oh, just telling you. I'd, yeah, I'd lose and, mine. And girls, <laughs> no. I'll have 14 boys all day long. No. Oh, they might fight with each other, but you know, at over. the end of the day, they're all just yeah. eating and all getting along. They're just eating. Yeah, your mm-hmm. food bill is ridiculous. <laughs> if you can feed them some oats, that would be great. Uh, the family eventually settles in Kalkaska. So at, Kalkaska is an interesting I've town. I've driven through that town Me my whole too. life because my family lives north of Kalkaska. Like in Charlevoix? No, don't call anybody out. Yeah, I mean, yes, maybe. (laughs) As a teenager, McMary lived in a boarding house with William and Sophronia Leach in Alpena, Michigan. And she worked as a domestic servant for the Leaches. In 1894, Miss Sarah, Mrs. Sarah, McMary's mom, lost her 18-year-old daughter, who's name was also Sarah, which is why I'm already confused and we haven't even right. started the story. So we got two Sarahs so, so we far. have two Sarahs. So and they move and then they lose a daughter after they move to Kalkaska. And this is before McMary has even done anything bad, right? Then in 1894, same year, Mrs. Sarah loses her husband. She mm-hmm. loses one of her daughters, Sarah, who's apparently named after herself, and she loses her husband, Isaiah. So then, now Isaiah's dead, right. leaving Mrs. Sarah widowed. Exactly. And then on my birthday, it's not exactly <laughs> my birthday because I wasn't born back then. But, but 1902, same yes, date. Yes, December, December 3rd, 1902, Mrs. Sarah loses her son, Willie, who is, tw- yes, his name is Willie. <laughs> 21 years old, and he dies in a freak-ass hunting accident. Which is weird, because he would go out wearing a red sweater just so he would not be mistaken as a deer. But somehow he still... He had been known to say that um, he was afraid of fool hunters who infest the woods. I still say that same shit. You know, they're out there. They are. 
There's fool hunters. Oh, there's I something mean, moving. I'm just happens. The guy was in bright red. What deer's going to be in bright red? People's dogs get shot. You know? I know. It Come happens on, all the time. Poor Willie, who's only 21 years old, gets shot through the goddamn throat. He drops to the ground. Yeah, the hunter no finds him. He's obviously paralyzed. He's on the ground, paralyzed, and he's shot through the throat. There's mm-hmm. no way. But the hunter goes running to get help. And by the time he comes back, Willie has passed away. It was a freak accident. It was. But this is already what the poor Murphy family, Mrs. Murphy, has gone through. So she's already lost a child. Well, And then she lost her husband. And then she lost another child. This is yes. even before Psycho Mary gets into the story. Yes. So John Murphy, the son, moves in with his wife, Gertrude. Yes. Bef- and the daughter, Ruth, which is baby Ruth. Uh-huh. Three Let's months old. back this up. Because after Mary lost her husband and all five of her children, mm-hmm. she moved up back to Kalkaska mm-hmm. and moved in with mom, Sarah. And then her brother, John, moves in with Gertrude and... And baby Ruth. <laughs> Uh, Gertrude's only 21. Baby Ruth is three three months months old. They were moving in with their mom, Sarah, because they had just bought a bunch of property down the road and they were doing finishing touches on the house and it was just easier. Convenient. Families moving in together. Yeah, it's what they did Mm -hmm. back then. People actually helped each other. Exactly. Especially family. And so also living with them was their cousin, Mary. Another Mary. Another fucking Mary. Mary <laughs> Mullen. So on April 20th. 1903. 420. What? Gertrude. Oh, yeah. I get it. She goes to work on the new house. She wants to get this shit done because she's living with her husband's mom. And they're like, we want to get out of this house as fast as we can. Yeah, who wants to live with their mom? Nobody wants to live with their moms as an adult. So Gertrude goes on April 20th, and she's going to work on their new house. And she leaves baby Ruth (laughs) (laughs) with Aunt McMary. Uh And uh, Aunt McMary puts her down for a nap. And she sleeps for two hours. Now, that's a dirt nap. Most of you moms know that there's not many babies that are going to sleep for two hours unless they're sick or growing. Mm. We later find out that McMary goes in and checks on baby Ruth. Baby Ruth is dead. Yeah. Oh. Apparently had, like, entangled herself mm-hmm. in, in the some blankets yeah. and suffocated. Happens all the time, right? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now they call it, you know, crib sudden death, death, sudden death and germ syndrome. Crib death. Right. Yeah. So Gertrude comes back from working on the house for lunch. There's not McDonald's back then. What is she going to do? And she finds out her child's dead. So she loses her mind, just goes uh, into hysterics. Obviously. Yeah. Took a lot of calm. Screaming. She's pacing. She's shrieking. She's probably all the things you can imagine. Mrs. Sarah (laughs) and Mary decide they're going to help calm Gertrude. So they give her a little something, something. Mm -hmm. A little something, something. Gertrude finally calms down a little bit. Her baby's just died. It's going to take a minute. And her husband, John, goes, she drives into Fife Lake to purchase a coffin for their baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. When he comes back, John finds out his wife, Gertrude, has become suddenly ill. Her neck aches. She's been shivering as if she has the grip, which means her hands and arms are convulsing up to her chest area. Mm-hmm. 
she suddenly, she's having convulsions. She throws her head back. Her body is twitching spasmodically. Yes. She's foaming at the mouth. Her back does this crazy arch thing, and her face does this. It's like like a grimace. All I can imagine is this god-awful devil grimace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she had several of these convulsions. Like, she would have them, and then her body would relax, and then have it again. 20 minutes after her first convulsion. Which is one hour after her daughter passed away. Yeah. She dies. Mm -hmm. And she actually dies with that horrible grimace, painful, I'm hurting Mm -hmm. just thinking about it look on her face. Can't imagine. We've got two deaths now. We've got the death of baby Ruth and the death of Gertrude. Mm -hmm. Dr. Nyhart makes a trip from a South Boardman. He must be like the death doctor because there's a family doctor that's local, but he's not the guy that's called for some reason. Right, It's kind of weird. I don't know why. Maybe like the coroner or something like that? Yeah, I don't know how it worked back then. Yeah, right. So Dr. Boardman makes a trip up. He writes on the death certificate that Gertrude... Gertrude. That Gertrude died following spasms. The doctor did not list an immediate cause of death or a disease causing death on the paperwork. Well, he he was thinking there was something more going on, like it could be a communicable disease, something that Yeah. You it's know, just he weird. didn't know. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Well, when the actual family doctor saw the bodies, he noticed it was kind of weird that the limbs had not, like, usually your limbs will go flaccid. Flaccid. I was waiting for it. (laughs) Said the word. I was like, damn it, take that word back because he's going to say something about it. But these bodies didn't, they rigor mortis set in in that, like, painful, arch, horrible, death. God awful way. Dr. Purcell notices this, but thinks it's odd, doesn't see it a lot, chucks it up to fucked up seizures. Yep. Family has the traditional Irish wake. This was held in their home. They turn their mirrors to the wall. Apparently, there's a lot to it, but... It's a party, basically. They turn the mirrors to the wall. I'm not sure why, but then it goes... Kind of how we do it today, but I think a little more of a party because people really had to travel. It was a big deal to travel that far back then. So difficult back then. Yeah. Gertrude's parents lived in Otsego Lake. They made the drive, which is an hour drive now. So back then, holy Lord. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know. They had like Model A's and trains and carriages. So depending on which way they took. Oh, it, it was not an easy trip. No, you had, it was a chuck. Mm-hmm. So in traditional Irish wake form, they ate, drank, and told stories until just before midnight. Gertrude and Eliza were buried in the same casket so sweetly the next day in Springfield Cemetery. In the same casket? Yeah, Gertrude, the baby was oh, only four months man. old, so Gertrude was holding her baby. Oh. It was a rough one. Two weeks later, we're at 1903, May 2nd, John, Gertrude's husband, McMary's brother, Mm -hmm. starts having convulsions. Mm. Isn't this weird? Hmm. No pattern going on here. Same thing as Gertrude went through. Very painful. Face grimacing. Arms. Fists clenched as chest. You you guys can't see us, but we're both clenching our fists to the chest. (laughs) Like you can see us. He dies. 
Mary was at his side, his mom, Sarah, was at his side, and so was his best friend and neighbor, Joe. Mm. Um, Mrs. Sarah had actually gone over to get Joe for help. Mm-hmm. Again, Dr. Purcell sees that John's body's not quite right in the rigor mortis aspect. Yeah. It set in far too quickly, and he kind of felt like he was missing something but could not pinpoint it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Neihart, again, must be the death dude, listed John's death as shock following an asthma attack, even mm. though he kind of wondered if there was a presence of a contagious or fatal disease. He did not conduct an autopsy. So he questioned it, but he still didn't conduct an autopsy. Right. Then he put John's neighbor, Joe, in solitary confinement in quarantine, quarantine. not solitary <laughs> confinement. Puts him in quarantine, but he didn't put Mary or Sarah in quarantine. Which is weird because, you know, if you're going to quarantine one, you got to quarantine. They were oh. all right there. Uh-huh. What, what the fuck sense does that make? Hey, so anyway. At this point, you know how small towns are, Boot. Oh, they all start talking and chattering. Your highness grew up, I mean, in oh, a tiny town. town. People thought there was a curse on the family because, mm-hmm. you know, before even Mary came along, oh, there was already which deaths. Of the, which of the biblical sins they're succumbing to, you know, Seriously. as a result of who knows, you know. People literally thought it was one of the ten plagues that was in the book of Exodus. I'm not very familiar with the book of Exodus, but you guys can Google that shit if you'd like. Dr. Purcell was... He was totally nagged by all this. He kept trying to figure out what happened. He knew something wasn't right. I can picture this guy staying up all night thinking about it. He's us. Something's wrong. Something's not right. Why did this happen? Why Uh did these are all little too coinkidental? Yep. That a mom and a dad and a daughter die. And the bodies are all... In that weird form. Yeah, unusual. Not like normal deaths at all. Big, huge red flags. So Dr. Pearsall decides he's going to go talk with John's best friend, Joe, and get the details of the death because Joe is the first outside family member he can actually talk to to Mm -hmm. give him a little description about how these people died. And Joe told him the harsh realities of it. Mm-hmm. Back was arching, there'd be seizures, the face was distorted, so it was like a grotesque grin that literally sent chills down his spine. And I can imagine seeing your best friend like that would be horrible. Pearsall remembers back in his school days that mm-hmm. one of his, oh, this one's a killer too, you guys. I'm sorry, but in the name of science, they had to do shit back oh. then. One of his professors brought in a dog. Why did it have to be a dog? But anyway, it was helpful in the end. In the end, it was super helpful. Yeah. But he brought in a dog to show them the harms of, of strychnine. Strychnine was used in small amounts back then in numerous medications. And it was used as a uh, rodent killer. Yes. You could buy it at the hardware store. You you bet on your sweet-ass rats, you could. <laughs> Bet on rats. But I think the point that this professor was trying to show was that you got to watch your doses of strychnine because we use it as a medication in small forms, but if you use too much, watch what's going to happen to this dog. All right. What do you think happens? Mm-hmm. 
the back arches on the dog. It's foaming at the mouth. It's twitching. All the things we've you get explained. The on its face. Doctor Persall is thinking. I. This is something. It sounds like strychnine poisoning. Strychnine poisoning. It was. Mm-hmm. Joe also tells the doctor that he picked up, that McMary asked him to pick up mail in town and five cents worth of... Strychnine, which you can buy at the hardware store, apparently. Yeah. Well, it was used, Why not? To, it was used to kill rats. Mm-hmm. You can bet on that shit <laughs> again. So about mid-May 1903, Dr. Purcell takes this information to Kalkaska's prosecutor. A few days after John died, McMary brings in this paper documenting a change to John's loan. Uh, it sounds a little fishy to me. Yeah, she had doctored it, so to speak. She had crossed out the initial mortgage amount from 200 to $600. Yeah, fraud. She claims that John had wanted to increase the mortgage for improvements such as excavating a well mm-hmm. and that she lent John the money but simply never got around to taking the deed to Kalkaska to be officially documented. Mm-hmm. But suddenly after John dies in a time of mourning... <laughs> for fuck's sake. Excuse me. You knew it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll grow up. Just finish the story because I can't breathe. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> fucking send me a gas mask for Christ's <laughs> sakes. I'm going to die of poisoning. Ah, oh, no you won't. She never gets around to doing the deed. The deed. So prosecutor and sheriff, this McMary, who claims that John had wanted to increase the mortgage for improvements such as excavating a well, where where you just left off. Okay. McMary lent him the money, but simply never got around to taking the deed to Kalkaska for official documentation. For- she also felt that John had suffocated due to an asthma attack. Yeah. When she left, they felt like her explanation about the deed was logical, but didn't really believe her about John's death. Mm. John's death was very suspect. So they asked if there was strychnine in her house that he could use to kill himself. Okay, so at this point, we're in mid-May 1903. Dr. Purcell has taken his thoughts into the prosecutor, Mm -hmm. right? He has a lot of information. He knows how strychnine acts in dogs, and which would also happen in humans. Right. Now they have this information about the deed. Right. That she should have had changed in a different time and place. And it had been doctored. Totally doctored. She doctored the dollar amounts, Just changing the initial mortgage amount from 200 to 600 which is weird. Okay, so at this point, we're in mid-May 1903. Dr. Purcell has taken his thoughts into the prosecutor, mm-hmm. right? He has a lot of information. He knows how strychnine acts in dogs, and which would also happen in humans. Right. Now, they have this information about the deed. Right. That she should have had changed in a different 
which is weird. Well, she claimed that John had wanted to add new well okay. to the property, and yeah. she had the money to loan him. So she loaned him the money, but she didn't officially do any of the documentation yet. Mm-hmm. But she decides to do that right after John dies in a time of mourning, which seems kind of the weirdest yeah. time to remember to do it. That's the last thing that would be in my fucking mind. Exactly right. Oh, my brother just died. Oh, yeah. I should oh, go adjust this paperwork. Yeah. There we go. So when she left... The sheriff is thinking something funny. The prosecutor and the sheriff, yeah. The doctor. So they go and see her. Really knows. They decide they're going to go check her out and ask her a few things. Yep. So they asked about the well, excavating the well, and about the money situations and the deed. She said she simply never got around to taking the deed to Kalkaska. She also felt that John had suffocated due to an asthma attack. And apparently now she's, you know. Some sort of doctor that you can know. diagnose yeah. deaths. Well, back and, then, that's how it was. Yeah. They yeah. left kind of feeling like her explanation about the deed was logical, but they they were iffy on the John's death thing. Well, they, mainly they know because the sh- <laughs> Doctor Purcell has seen the effects of yeah of yeah. a cyanide death, right? Yep. So about a week later, the uh, prosecutor. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Brassal decide they're going to make a little house visit to McMary. Mm-hmm. They asked her if uh, they thought, I think it, this was like early cop bullshit. Like, we're going to goad you. Well, you can manipulate you a little and bit. Ask questions mm-hmm. that. Poking at you, poking at yeah, you. Yeah, that'll get you to say things. And they were like, do you mm-hmm. think that John could have committed suicide because he just lost his wife and, and daughter. Remember, we just buried baby Ruth and Gertrude. Mm-hmm. And Mary's like, there's absolutely no way he would have killed himself. No way. <laughs> right. Then they asked her if there's any strychnine in the house. Well, yeah, and of course she says, yeah, using it to kill rats. Like, like rats are such a big problem. They were huge. Oh, apparently. Big. Yeah. They start asking around town and they find out that John, her brother, had a life insurance policy for a thousand dollars, which knowing that Mrs. Sarah, everybody's mom, Mary's mom, John's mom, wouldn't live that long. It kind of made McMary the next person in line for that money if John died. Well, that's what she thought. Right, right. Well, she's a Mary. (laughs) Don't think like a Mary. It doesn't work out. Bunch of Marys. (sighs) So that $1,000, we did a uh, inflation calculation, apparently is worth $50,000. No, that was for $2,000. So it'd be like $100,000. So we did it yeah. for the two right two thousand dollars. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy nineteen hundreds dramatic drama story twist comes in. Mary's trying to collect this money because everybody's died. I don't. I don't know how this. She's trying to collect the money, but what happens is we find out John was married before Gertrude. Yep. This chick comes out of the woodwork and is Oh, she's been lying in the in the yeah. shadows for years. They were married in eighteen ninety five, but they got divorced after three months because John thought that she was having an affair with his younger brother Dan. 
again. You guys, it's all been in the family up until now and still. So this is why it's confusing as fuck. And she probably was having an affair with the brother Dan. Dan could have been a great guy. He might have had a, you know, a little more to offer. Hmm. Girthier. Little seven months after the divorce to John, she gives birth to baby Gladys. And mm-hmm. John denies the paternity to this child. He's, he's, he's like, nope, baby. it's not mm-hmm. mine. It's my fucking brother's kid. Mm-hmm. Like, if there was DNA tests back then, for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. So, when McMary is trying to claim the money, this chick is saying it's hers. Or it goes to John's heir, not hers, but the baby, the Gladys. Baby Gladys. Yeah. This gives the prosecutor and Dr. Purcell even more cause to follow up their suspicions, and they decide to exhume John's body. <laughs> Not something that was done frequently oh. back then, as I will tell you, children of the corn, that this was before embalming for the most part. Like that some rots some quickly. places embalmed, but up north Michigan at that time, not so much. I've I've buried ah. squirrels, rabbits, things but, that, that our dogs have. I can't imagine digging those things back up because they stink. They stink before These you bury them. These guys had to dig the body back up, and not only that, Dr. P had the balls to slice open this bloated body, take out the stomach, put it in a container. I'm not laughing, you a guys. A paper bag, probably, and then I, got on a I really hope at least it with was this thing? some sort of halfway seal. I don't know what they had. A tin can with a tin lid. They, oh, people on the train... It was they said it. they smelled a funky smell. He mm-hmm. just sat there with his He's like, what? his contents, like what? What? <laughs> I got shit to do. I got take. I can't mm-hmm. drive down Looking there. At his watch because there's only Model A's and they don't even have heat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he drives this stomach down. He doesn't drive it. He hops on the train and takes the stomach to Ann Arbor to have the contents tested. John had five-sixths of a grain of strychnine in his stomach, meaning that that's what hadn't even been absorbed yet. So there was was more than enough to kill him. There was more than enough to kill a dozen men in his system. That's crazy. That's fucked up. They jail... McMary. McMary at this time. Finally. Back home. So she denies everything. She denies it. (laughs) They get the testing back from Ann Arbor, of course, like we just said, and they have all the strychnine in this, in this blood, right? Mm -hmm. So they jail McMary. They decide they're gonna exhume the bodies of Gertrude and baby Ruth. Oh, they're going to find the same thing. On, on the premises that, yeah, she the premise, yeah. probably tried to kill them, too. Off to Ann Arbor again with baby Ruth and Gertrude's tummies. <laughs> While the prosecutor Smith is in Ann Arbor, he starts doing some digging about McMary's life in Alpena. So we're going to take a step back in time right now, and it might get confusing, but... The prosecutor steps back and checks out Mary's first husband. Mm-hmm. Realizes, hmm, he dies a really brutal death also. 
Yep. Grimace face. Yep. Clenched stuff. All all the same. Foaming in the mouth. She's widowed. She moves in with her husband's business partner, his wife, and their family, right? Because yeah. that's what people yeah. do, right? You they, know, you help each other They out, used to. You know, and oh, they donate more because this shit kind of happens. Yeah, it does. She moves in with the business partner, James. We're now in 1887? 18, 18, it's 1887. In July, and McMary is living with this family. James's wife, the business partner, she gets sick. So he goes to the hospital. His sister comes in and picks him up, basically, and his sister has a, a baby. And those two go to the hospital, but they leave little baby give. Well, you gotta leave the baby with the baby Gib. Doesn't Gib. it make you think of Gibby from True Crime Garage? Gibby, I was thinking Andy Gib. Oh, for fuck's sakes. I was thinking Gib <laughs> from True Crime Garage. I am so sorry to compare <laughs> you guys. We don't know each other. Oh. Yeah. Baby Gib is left with McMary of the Death of All Saints, who literally is probably standing there in a black robe with a fucking corn husker in her hand. So the wife's going to the hospital and she's going to die. Yep. Wife dies that night. Yep. And guess what happens to Baby Gib? The very next day. Mm Mm-hmm. Baby... Oh my God! This, so this, woman this needs guy to space things out. goes. You know, Jesus! This guy goes to the hospital to deal with his dying wife, and then he comes home, and this his baby's dead. Oh yeah! And McMary's just over like, what? Huh? I don't know. They just died. Oh, oh, you know? Give her some medicine. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you guys so worried about everything? People die. It just happens. Apparently. And it happens a lot around me. During yeah. the time, though, that she lived with them, the inevitable happens. She oh. falls in love with the guy. You put two dogs in a cage together eventually. What are you going to do? You said the naughty word this time. Dogs? So in May of 1892, after his wife dies, McMary moves to Saginaw, Michigan. So Okay, so McMary moved to Saginaw. Right. She had fallen in love with the guy, but the husband or the wife and the kid dies. She moves to Saginaw with her family for a minute Uh until they're getting ready to get married. Right. In the meantime, it's May of 1892, and McMary moves to Alpena with her new husband, right? Mm-hmm. James. And the sister, Margaret. Sister Margaret's the one that lives in Saginaw. So, so according to our notes. So, yeah. yeah. In 1892, May 3rd, <laughs> McMary lives in Alpena, and Sister Margaret is still living in Saginaw. McMary goes to visit them frequently. On one of her visits, she takes her niece, Eliza, out for tea. <laughs> Afternoon tea. Oh, what here do you we go think again. happens Dog four gone. hours later? Do not drink anything with McMary. Don't do it. No McMary. You're going to die. This girl dies. She has convulsions arching back. And, and why? What the heck? I don't know. A year later, 1893. McMary goes back to Saginaw again to visit. She's there with a couple of sisters and a niece. Again, they're having tea. And the niece, who's excitedly talking about getting married, falls to the ground, has seizures, 
dies five hours later. This woman is just a nut. Which is why we have to leave you guys hanging. We hate to do it to you, but I had no idea how many people this there's lady a, had killed. Yeah, there's a lot more detail. So much more. Yep. We haven't even gotten... Break this down into two parts. Two parts it is. And it's confusing as shit because... The names are... They're all their names. There's Mary's <laughs> and Sarah's and John's and Joseph's and... God, didn't they... Couldn't they look in the Bible for some more names? Well, they could have. You know, they could have just looked down the side of the road and named them, you know, I don't know. Cedar. Cedar. Yeah. So anyways, please tune in next week to find out what else Mrs. Mary Murphy McKnight manages to do in the next small town she moves to. Mm. Don't forget to subscribe and all the stuff for us. Thank you so much. And I'd like to give a lot of props out to the author Tobin T. Buck, B-U-H-K. He wrote a book. It's called like Strychnine Mary or Mary McKnight. The Strychnine. You should probably get the name of that book right. And I really... We'll get Give the name of the book right and plug that in. Go to Amazon Prime, Amazon Kindle, wherever. Download the book. It's not that much. Don't be a cheap ass. It has far more history than what I've given you. It has other stories included, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Boot. What Your kind highness. of happy, happy ending do you have for us today? Well, we have a fantastic band called Bet on Rats. Bet on Rats. You bet your sweet rat we do. Uh, we have Dan on vocals and guitar. We have Don, bass and backup bass. vocals. Derek on guitar and backup vocals. And Athen on drums. Athens in at least 10 bands. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. It's probably 20. Probably. Yeah. They're like a different take on folk in a punk rock fashion. Bed and Rats delivers an energetic songs that speak of frustrations and disappointments, triumphs and failures. It's like our, our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of sounds folky. No. It sounds punk rocky. Yeah, but the lyrics the folk, are you know, just kind of, folky. It's weird. With so many genres nowadays. It's so hard music. to define it. You can't. Yeah. Even. You can't pigeonhole them. You can't. Yeah, it's good stuff. The other really cool thing is, is that Navish Audio Studios in Grand Rapids, Michigan mm-hmm. recorded them. You can absolutely get a hold of Don at Navish Studios and record. So you can check out Bet on Rats on Bandcamp. If you don't know what Bandcamp is yet, get the fuck on Bandcamp and check it out. You should do that, yeah. You can find them on Facebook. You can book them by emailing them. Book yes. them for your club, your gig. They'll come see you. Betonrats at gmail.com. Support your local music scene and definitely support ours because it's so goddamn good. Oh. We have a great music scene. It's really good. In Grand Rapids, I'm just saying. Uh, peace out, boot. We'll see you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Your Highness, thank you very much. We had a good it's time. It's been fun. Totally confusing the fuck out of everybody and my own self. It's been a, bit, a little bit of a challenge. <sighs> I'm so ADD. <laughs> Cheers. There we go. We're going to leave you with a song by Bet on Rats called I Will Crawl. This song is one of those cool songs where it grabs you by the seat of your pants just and it unexpectedly. It really kind of made me think of 
Mary McPsycho Night. You know, that's not okay. It is. <laughs> it is okay. I'm not going to go okay, kill somebody because I listen to it. But yeah, every once in a while you get a song that grabs you by the seat of your pants and then you don't know why, but you just like it and you want to listen to it. So we've seen here these, we go. We've seen these guys numerous times. We forgot to say that. We have seen these guys numerous We've seen times. them live. They're one of those bands that you can see live and hear and thoroughly enjoy. And it, it's an unexpected good thing. You know, you go to see a, a lot of live bands, and sometimes it's questionable, but you see these guys, and it's like, oh, nice. You're going to be at the front yeah. of the stage enjoying yourself. Yep. All right. Peace out, Boot. Peace out, Your Highness. We're going to leave you with I Will Crawl by Bet on Rats. Rats. I had wanted to add New Well okay. to the property, and yeah. she had the money to loan him. So she loaned him the money, but she didn't officially do any of the documentation yet. Mm. Mm-hmm. But she decides to do that right after John dies in a time of mourning, which seems kind of the weirdest time yeah. to remember to do it. That's the last thing that'd be in my fucking mind. Exactly right. Oh, my brother just died. Oh, yeah. I should oh, go adjust this paperwork. Yeah, there we go. So when she left, you know, sheriff is already well. He's he's thinking something sheriff. funny. Sheriff is thinking something funny. The prosecutor and the sheriff, yeah. The doctor. So they go and see her. Really knows. They decide they're going to go check her out and ask her a few things. Yep. So they asked about the well, excavating the well, and about the money situations, and the deed. She said she simply never got around to taking the deed to Kalkaska. She also felt that John had suffocated due to an asthma attack. And apparently now she's, you know, some sort of doctor that you can know. diagnose yeah. deaths. Well, back and- then, that's how it was. <laughs> They left kind of feeling like her explanation about the deed was logical, but they they were iffy on the John's death thing. Well, they, mainly they know because <laughs> Doctor Purcell has seen the effects of yeah of yeah. a cyanide death, right? Yep. So about a week later, the uh, prosecutor mm-hmm. and Doctor Purcell decide they're gonna make a little house visit to McMary. Mm-hmm. Yo, McMary, what's up? They asked her if uh, they thought, I think this was like early cop bullshit. Like, we're going to goad you. Well, you can manipulate you a little bit. Ask questions Mm -hmm. that. Poking at you, poking at you. Yeah, that'll get you to say things. And they were like, do Mm -hmm. you think that John could have committed suicide because he just lost his wife and and daughter? Remember, we just buried baby Ruth and Gertrude. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mary's like, there's absolutely no way he would have killed himself. No way. <laughs> right. Then they asked her if there's any strychnine in the house. Well, yeah, and of course she says, yeah. It's in the basement. In the basement. yep. Uses with it the bed on rats. rats. <laughs> Using it to kill rats. Like, like rats are such a big problem. They were hu- huge. Oh, apparently. Big. Yeah. So they leave... They start asking around town, and they find out that John, her brother, had a life insurance policy for $1,000, which, uh, knowing that Mrs. Sarah, everybody's mom, Mary's mom, John's mom, wouldn't live that long, it kind of made McMary the next person in line for that money if John died, Well, that's what she thought. Right, right. Well, she's a Mary. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't think like a Mary doesn't work out. Don't too. be a Mary. God damn it. Those Marys. Bunch of Marys. <sighs> so that $1,000, we did a uh, inflation calculation, apparently is worth $50,000. No, that was for 2000 So it'd be oh, like. Oh, it'd be $100,000. Like, so we did it yeah, for the two, right. $2,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy 1900s dramatic drama story twist comes in. Mary's trying to collect this money because everybody's died. I don't I don't know how this she's trying to collect the money. But what happens is we find out John was married before Gertrude. Yep. This chick comes out of the woodwork and is Oh, she's been lying in the in the yeah. shadows for years. They were married in eighteen ninety five, but they got divorced after three months because John thought that she was having an affair with his younger brother Dan. You guys, it's all been in the family up until now and still. So this is why it's confusing as fuck. <laughs> and she probably was having an affair with the brother Dan. Dan could have been a great guy. He might have had a you know a little more to offer. Hmm. Girthier. Little seven months after the divorce to John, she gives birth to baby Gladys, and mm-hmm. John denies the paternity to yeah, this he child. He's, he's, he's like, nope, baby. it's not mm-hmm. mine. It's my fucking brother's kid. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're on Maury Povich. Oh my. God. Like, if there was DNA tests back then, for Christ's sake. Oh, yeah. So, when McMary is trying to claim the money, this chick is saying it's hers. Or it goes to John's heir, not hers, but the baby, the Gladys. Baby Gladys. Yeah. This gives the prosecutor and Dr. Purcell even more cause to follow up their suspicions. And they decide to exhume John's body. Oh. <laughs> Not something that was done frequently oh. back then, as I will tell you, children of the corn, that this was before embalming for the most part. Like that some rots some places embalmed, but up north Michigan at that time, not so much. I've I've buried ah. squirrels, rabbits, things but, that, that our dogs have. Blah, 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 blah. I can't imagine digging those things back up because they stink. They stink before you bury them. These guys had to dig the body back up. And not only that, Dr. P had the balls to slice open this bloated body. I know. It's awful. I know. Take out the stomach. Put it in a container. I'm not laughing, you a guys. A paper bag, probably. And then I, got on a I really hope at least it with was this thing? some sort of halfway seal. I don't know what they had. A tin can with a tin lid. They, oh, people on the train, it was they smelled said it. they smelled a funky smell. He mm-hmm. just sat there with his, He's like, what? his contents, like, what, what? I got shit to do. I got take. I can't mm-hmm. drive down Looking there. At his watch because there's only Model A's and they don't even have heat. Mm-hmm. He drives <laughs> this stomach down. He doesn't drive it. He hops on the train and takes this stomach to Ann Arbor to have the contents tested. John had five sixths of a grain of strychnine in his stomach. Meaning that that's what 
hadn't even been absorbed yet. So there was, there was more than enough to kill him. There was more than enough to kill a dozen men in his system. That's crazy. That's fucked up. They jail... McMary. McMary yes. at this time. Finally. Back home. So she denies everything. She denies it. <laughs> they get the testing back from Ann Arbor, of course, like we just said, and they have all the strychnine in this in this blood, right? Mm-hmm. So they jail McMary. They decide they're going to exhume the bodies of Gertrude and baby Ruth. Oh, they're going to find the same thing. On, on the premises that... Yeah, she the premise, yeah. probably tried to kill them, too. Off to Ann Arbor again with baby Ruth and Gertrude's tummies. <laughs> While the prosecutor Smith is in Ann Arbor, he starts doing some digging about McMary's life in Alpena. So we're going to take a step back in time right now, and it might get confusing. But the prosecutor steps back and checks out Mary's first husband mm-hmm. realizes, hmm, he dies a really brutal death also. Yep. Grimace face, yep. clenched stuff, all, all the same, foaming in the mouth. She's widowed. She moves in with her husband's business partner, his wife, and their family, right? Because yeah. that's what people yeah. do, right? You know, they, you help each other they out. They used to. You know, the, oh, they donate more because this shit kind of happens. Yeah, it does. She moves in with the business partner, James. We're now in 1880, 1887? It's 1887. In July. And Mary is living with this family. James's wife, the business partner, she gets sick. Uh-huh. Hmm. So he goes to the hospital. His sister comes and and picks him up, basically, and his sister has a a baby. And those two go to the hospital, but they leave little baby Gib. Well, you got to leave the baby with little baby Gib. Doesn't it make you think of Gibby from True Crime Garage? Gibby, I was thinking Andy Gib. Oh, for fuck's sakes! I was thinking Gib. From your crime garage. I am so sorry to compare you guys. We don't know each other. Oh. Yeah. Baby Gib is left with McMary of the death of all saints, who literally is probably standing there in a black robe with a fucking corn husker in her hand. So the wife's going to the hospital and she's going to die. Yep. And Wife dies that night. Yep. And guess what happens to baby Gib? The very next day. Mm-hmm. That, baby. That's... Oh, my God. <laughs> this, so this, woman this needs guy to space things out. goes, you know, Jesus, this guy goes to the hospital to deal with his dying wife, and then he comes home, and this, his baby's dead. Oh, yeah. And Mick Mary's just over and over like, what? Huh? Oh, I don't know. They just died. Oh, oh, you know? Give her some medicine. It's okay. Yeah. Why are you guys so worried about everything? People die. It just happens. Apparently. And it happens a lot around me because I'm a memory. Yeah. During the time, though, that <laughs> that she lived with them, the inevitable happens. She falls oh. in love with the guy. You put two dogs in a cage together eventually. What are you going to do? <laughs> you said the naughty word this time. Dogs? She falls in love with the business partner, James. 
So in May of 1892, after his wife dies, McMary moves to Saginaw, Michigan. So okay, so McMary moved to Saginaw. Right. She had fallen in love with the guy, but the husband or the wife and the kid dies. She moves to Saginaw with her family for a minute uh-huh. until they're getting ready to get married. Right. In the meantime, so she's living in Saginaw, Michigan now with her sister. It's May of 1892, and Mary moves to Alpena with her new husband, right? Mm-hmm. James. And the sister, Margaret. Sister Margaret's the one that lives in Saginaw. So, so according to our notes. Yeah. In 1892, May 3rd, <laughs> McMary lives in Alpena and Sister Margaret is still living in Saginaw. McMary goes to visit them frequently. On one of her visits, she takes her niece, Eliza, out for tea. <laughs> Afternoon tea. Oh, what here do you we go think again. happens four hours later? Do not drink anything with McMary. Don't do it. No McMary's. You're going to die. This girl dies. She has convulsions, arching back. And and why? What the heck? I don't know. A year later, 1893, McMary goes back to Saginaw again to visit. She's there with a couple of sisters and a niece, and they're again, tea. they're having tea. And the niece, who's excitedly are. talking about getting married, falls to the ground, has seizures, dies five hours later. This woman is just a nut. Which is why we have to leave you guys hanging. We hate to do it to you, but I had no idea how many people this there's lady a, had killed. Yeah, there's a lot more detail. So much more. Yep. We haven't gotten... Break this down into two parts. Two parts it is. And it's confusing as shit because... The names are... They're all their names. There's Mary's <laughs> and Sarah's and John's and Joseph's and... God, didn't they... Couldn't they look in the Bible for some more names? Well, they could have. You know, they could have just looked down the side of the road and named them, you know, I don't know. Cedar. <laughs> Cedar. Yeah. So anyways, please tune in next week to find out what else Mrs. Mary Murphy McKnight manages to do in the next small town she moves to. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and all the stuff for us. Thank you so much. And I'd like to give a lot of props out to the author Tobin T. Buck, B-U-H-K. He wrote a book. It's called like Strychnine Mary or Mary McKnight, the Strychnine. You probably get the name of that book right. And I really will get the name of the book right and plug that in. Go to Amazon Prime, Amazon, Kindle, wherever. Download the book. It's not that much. Don't be a cheap ass. It has far more history than what I've given you. It has other stories included, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Boot. What Your kind highness. of happy ending do you have for us today? Well, we have a fantastic band called Bet on Rats. Bet on Rats. You can bet your sweet rat we do. Uh, we have Dan on vocals and guitar. We have Don, bass, bass and backup bass. vocals. Derek on guitar and backup vocals. And Athen on drums. Athens in at least 
10 bands. <laughs> That's not an exaggeration. It's probably 20. Probably. Yeah. They're like a different take on folk in a punk rock fashion. Bed and Rats delivers an energetic songs that speak of frustrations and disappointments, triumphs and failures. It's like our, our lives every day. Mm-hmm. Everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of sounds folky. No, it sounds punk rocky, yeah, but the, the lyrics are folk, you know, just kind of folky. It's weird. With so many genres nowadays. It's so hard to music. define it. You can't. Yeah, you can't it. pigeonhole them. You can't. Yeah, it's good stuff. The other really cool thing is, is that Navish Audio Studios in Grand Rapids, Michigan mm-hmm. recorded them. You can absolutely get a hold of Don at Navish Studios and record. So you can check out Bet on Rats on Bandcamp. If you don't know what Bandcamp is yet, get the fuck on Bandcamp and check it out. You should do that, yeah. You can find them on Facebook. You can book them by emailing them. Book them for your club, your gig. They'll come see you. BetOnRats at gmail.com. Support your local music scene. And definitely support ours because it's so goddamn good. Oh. We have a great music scene. It's really good. In Grand Rapids. I'm I'm just saying. Uh peace out, boot. We'll see you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> Your Highness, thank you very much. We had a good it's time. It's been fun. Totally confusing the fuck out of everybody and my own self. It's been a bit a little bit of a challenge. <sighs> I'm so ADD. (laughs) Cheers. There we go. We're going to leave you with a song by Bet on Rats called I Will Crawl. This song is one of those cool songs where it grabs you by the seat of your pants just unexpectedly. It really kind of made me think of Mary McPsycho Night. You know, that's not okay. It is. <laughs> it is okay. I'm not going to go okay, kill whatever. somebody because I listen to it. But yeah, every once in a while you get a song that grabs you by the seat of your pants and then you don't know why, but you just like it and you want to listen to it. So we've seen here these, we go. We've seen these guys numerous times. We forgot to say that. We have seen these guys numerous We've seen times. them live. They're one of those bands that you can see live and hear and thoroughly enjoy. You know, it, it's an unexpected good thing. You know, you go to see a, a lot of live bands, and sometimes it's questionable, but you see these guys, and it's like, oh, nice. You're going to be at the front yeah. of the stage enjoying yourself. Yep. All right. Peace out, Boot. Peace out, Your Highness. We're going to leave you with I Will Crawl by Bet on, Bet on Rats. Rats. Peace out. Take away my tongue I'll write letters in the sand Till you take
like an old fool But I guess I'll stay Cause my parents pay But when I sleep I drool So breathe me lessons Right now to my face Uh-huh Screeching loud All order is misplaced Uh-huh Trip on speech And lose your head Stub your soul Blame drink instead Painted target Picture circled red Take away my tongue, I'll 